Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Hello, I'm Jonathan Bowman Perks and welcome to my favourite time of the week. And on this series, I'm delighted to have Andy Taylor and Andy is the Senior Vice President at Schneider Electric. Andy, welcome. Good to have you on the series. Nice to be here. Thank you, John. Thank you for the invite invitation. Nice to have you here. Great. Let's go into uh, life story. You've got quite a powerful life story, which has shaped the leader that you are today. Mm-hmm. Um, let's begin way back when you were six, because you're 64 now. And you're, when you were a young man at, at, at uh, six years old, something quite catastrophic shaped your life. Do you want to tell us what happened? Yes, um, certainly. When I, uh, you can imagine a six-year-old boy at home, and then on one afternoon that you are sat down in a, in your living in a living room with your mother and your father with a stranger in the room, and then you are to be then you are told that certainly that things are not working out at home and that you are going to go away for a little while uh, into uh, local authority care, and uh, and with that um, news um, I, I I started to. To panic, I started. I started to cry, scream, uh, uh, and say, "Don't, ta- don't send me away. I'll be a good boy. Please, 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 don't let me. Don't, don't, don't send me away." And but eventually, I, got, I was put into a car and and travelled across Surrey to a children's home. Um, and from that moment onwards, uh, that my life changed dramatically because certainly when you are in a children's home, there was thirty children in the children's home, all of which had uh, issues of some description, um, all had problems, and uh, certainly uh, you had to had to find your way. And therefore, I had to find my, you know, normal things. Children can be very cruel um, with bullying and, 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 and so forth. Um, but having said that, um, you learn to survive and you learn to actually cope um, and I was never to go back home again. So, uh, so, so, it, so I was in care for ten years, uh, and of which it shaped me. Because if you if you can appreciate a, a, a care home with thirty children, you have to be very disciplined. It has to be regimented, and you are, and certainly you are you are given things to do. You yes, you went to, went to school and, and came back, but there's other things that chores that you have to do. One thing that ta- taught me very, very early on is that the discipline and equally doing things right the first time, because if you did something wrong, you had to do it. You had to do it again. And if it wasn't still still to stand it, you had to do it again and again and again until you got it to the right standard. And so I learned very quickly. Well, I might as well do it right the first time. So it saved me a lot of bother. And so. Uh, so, so through that period, uh, I, I learned certainly all of those disciplines and those structures. And then when I get to 16, 
in that in, in those in 1973, um, you are thrust into the world. And when you were, that's a just a, a brutal story, and I, I can't imagine what it's like. But in the news over the last few years, children's home of that period have talked about abuse and bullying. Did you see any abuse? And you talked about bullying. Did you see any abuse going on by some of the carers and things of the kids? I have to say categorically, no. I could not. I could not um, uh, appraise the carers enough. That they that they had a very difficult job. I understand that now, even at a at a young age, is a very difficult job that they had. Uh, but there was certainly I had no evidence of of that at all. Um, I've only got praise for them, even though that I, it's a very regimented, disciplined uh, arena. Yeah, yeah. So to take us to 16, and, and you, you went on to, I think, SSE. Uh, yes, I did. I then, uh, at 16, somebody, uh, I had to go and find a job uh, because uh, you are thrust into the world. Um, luckily, I was put in touch with a family that uh, had room for lodgers, etc. And so I, I took so, uh, uh, w- with them and, I, and they became almost like my mother and father because I still know that they're very, 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 very close friends of mine today. And so I then at 16 went out into the world and I had to find this, my apprenticeship. I got the apprentice, apprenticeship with SSE, but certainly again with, the, with, that, with, with that, which uh, I, I got some early success because, in the, because of my diligence, if you like, uh, and my, and my uh, focus of, of doing things well and right the first time. Um, I got Apprentice of the Year Award two years running. Well done. Never happened. Never happened in, the, in SSE's time or in the college's time. So I was quite proud of that time. Yeah. But, in, but in amongst that, you, are, you cannot do it all on your own. I had some very, I had, a, had an electrician who took me under, under, under his wing what was, his, what was his name? What was the electrician? Was, uh, the electrician was Gordon Wilde. And oh. I have to say, he was like a father to me. He actually did absolutely everything. He taught me everything I know today. And he gave, I'll just give one quick example of what I, I was doing a, a, a switchboard underneath the, uh, the stairs in this big mansion that he had given me the responsibility to connect all the circuits. And I was busily doing that. And I wanted to get away early. And, and uh, so I rushed the job a bit. And uh, he said, I said, I'm going, Gordon. And he said, hang on a minute. And he said, came down and he looked at my work and he said, you're not going home until that is correct. So guess what? I didn't go home until nine o'clock that night because I had to do it again. And he did. He was brilliant as a, as, as a coach, mentor, a father figure. Uh, and he got me through through my apprenticeship and, be, and beyond. Yeah. So, so just... Taking from that um, quite tough, disciplined, um, standing your own two feet kind of startup, having been through the sort of the bullying environment, the rejection of your parents, yes. uh, you you were one of I understand uh, four kids under five, yes, and and they sent you away to to a, a home, a children's home. Um, looking back now, age sixty four, looking back at your young self at sixteen, what what bit of advice, knowing what you know now? would you give to a young man at that stage in their lives? Uh, that's fairly easy for me. And that is, is don't look back. You can't change history. You can't change the past. 
but you can influence the fu your future. And as long as you try to do the right thing and do it the best, as best as you possibly can, normally it'll come out right and you'll be, and you'll, you will succeed. Brilliant. And, and during our lives, we all have some high points and some, and some mm -hmm. dark moments. Tell us first uh, about one of your high points and then tell us about a, a dark moment in your life. From a, 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 what I suppose I've had several high points because um, I've my career has gone from an apprentice electrician to being a director of a, a one billion euro company. Um, so there's been a lot of successes in that. But the one that stacks out the most, and that is that I, I, I almost came of age at the age of 60 because my management team at the time, they, they, they actually gave me on my 60th birthday a plaque and I'll read it to you. It says, Andy Taylor, leader, I'm, uh, leader, coach, mentor. You are, you are so supportive, encouraging, kind, respectful, patient, fair, challenging, decisive, loyal, committed, and devoted, diligent, decisive, and empowering. Number one boss. What a lovely, lovely plaque. That must have meant a lot to you. It, it made me cry. Uh, because yeah. at the end of the day, it was such a, I, it brought home to me that I had made an impact. And I have made an impact on those eight people that they had, where they took the time enough to put this together and project and give it to me on my 60th birthday. There's a plaque on your 60th. Wow. Well, congratulations on that. And a lovely accolade. And it was Alice Williams who said you were such a good boss and wanted you on the series. She said mm -hmm. you are an inspiring leader. And then what about a, a dark point in your career or your life? What, what, what happened and how did that shape the leader you are today? I think the, the dark, darkest point, it, come, it takes me back to a point where in my apprenticeship, at the end of my four years, Sam Wills, who was, and I know he's, he's not with us anymore, but he had a profound effect on me. On the, day, the week before I took my final exams on my apprenticeship, he said to me, but Andy, you don't, if you don't pass your exams next week, you haven't got a job. This is at 21 and I've got no roof over my head, I've got etc. And I panicked and I went, I went into almost meltdown for about 24 hours. And, and eventually uh, I went to the exam room the next week, etc. I was visi vis visibly shaking. Mm. And I then uh, I got through it and I came through with flying colors, with distinctions, etc. Put it forward to the to, to the, the another low point, which was or this low point, and which was when I was made first made redundant. At the height of my career, I thought I was motoring. I was doing a good job and I was well respected, etc. And then out of the blue, all of a sudden you're being made redundant. I had a family. I had kids, children, mortgage, etc. Uh, and I didn't know, I, had that, I just crystallized it back to that moment again. Mr. Taylor, you've got no job. You've got no income. Your life, your world is going to collapse. Well, it took me a little while to get over that, but, but then my, 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 my training, my, my, my fortitude, my resilience kicked in and said, come on, Taylor, get off your backside. Go and find another job. You're good enough to find another job. And within a very short space of time, I joined Schneider. Yeah, well, well done. Uh, and, and to have got through that and to learn from it, it's really important. And I imagine you talked about discipline uh, in the upbringing, getting, uh, getting, standing on your own two feet, getting things right first time. 
whether it be um, Gordon Wild teaching you or wh- whatever else it was. Um, what other top tips, habits have made you successful? And we always tend to go for healthy, wealthy and wise. What, what would be a quick short tip about being healthy, about wealth and money and about wisdom? Uh, the overriding one, I would say, is keep your feet on the ground. Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't get above your station. But be, be, keep, your, keep level-headed. But from a healthy point of view, I've run mar- half marathons. I've, done, I, I've been, played football at a good level. I've played squash, etc. And I'm still running today. I go to the gym three times a week. And so mentally and physically, I keep my body in, 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 in tune. Then from a, uh, from a, a wealthy point of view, well, I don't actually worry about the wealth point of view, except that what I do do, because my upbringing has brought me, I spend money wisely. I ask the question, do I want it or do I need it? If I need it, I'll go and spend the money. But if I want it, I'm going to ask my question, mom, ask myself, why do I want it? And then if it's if I if I can answer that one in a, in a proper in a good way, then I'll go and I'll spend my spend my money. And then from from a wise point of view, well, I don't worry. I don't worry about um, certainly uh, what's happened in the past. Just look forward. Be inquisitive. Be uh, want to learn. Even at sixty four, I don't know everything. I want to learn more, and I want to be. I want to part equally. I want to pass that knowledge and experience. We have a program called the three E's. It's called experience, but the three E's are experience, exposure, and education. Keep those three things going and bubbling, then you can't go wrong. Brilliant. And, and I think of the, um, as I approach 60 shortly, I think of that old Beatles song, When I'm 64. <laughs> of course, it, they made it sound like, yeah, like what you're really, really old. Of course, you and I are, you're at 64 and I'm approaching that. And actually it doesn't seem old at all. Um, what about um, with the, the series is called Inspiring Leadership? Um, and in your view, what makes a good inspiring leader and an inspiring team in your experience? I think that an inspiring leader certainly has got to have some charisma, but certainly got to have the energy, passion uh, and, uh, and um, steadfastness to, to really push not only themselves, but equally their organization. Certainly from a, uh, from a, a t- putting, building a team, I can't, uh, as I learned very early on, you can't do it all yourself. You have to rely on other people around you. And, and testimony to my management team that gave me the plaque. You know, I understand the people as people. What can they contribute to, to the efforts of what we're, what we're driving for? Can they contribute? Whatever they contribute, make sure they do it to the best, best uh, of their ability. Get them involved in setting the strategy, setting the goals, setting their, their, their own targets and pushing them and equally making sure that they, do, they deliver on them. But, but, must, but above all of that, get to an, produce an environment that they can trust. They trust you. Trust the people around with, around with you because if they can come into a management meeting, and of which and they can say and do within reason whatever they like, they feel comfortable, they will perform and they will perform higher than you'll ever know. Brilliant. And we talked before about um, leaders that have inspired you. 
Um, you mentioned Gordon um, and various other people who've helped you. I've got some notes down here. But if you were to pick a couple of CEOs that were inspiring, which, which two would you pick and who are they and, and what qualities did they have that made them inspiring CEOs? Oh, that's a difficult one. I've, I've worked for some very good CEOs and some not so good. But um, I would say Eamon Bradley, uh, he was the CEO of uh, Powerhouse, which was the combination of Eastern, Southern and Midlands electricity servicing and, and shops, uh, which we put together. He took us sort of a mammoth, sort of lots of risk. Um, and there was there were things like systems and that we got, that we weren't very good at, but he kept going and he kept pushing and he pushed his organization to keep going. And, and we did have some very difficult times setting the company up. And so his determination was 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 brilliant. And then the, the other one I would say was, was, was Tanuja Rendry. She's a, she was the CEO of the Schneider of the UK and Ireland Zone. She was visionary. She, I'm, I've been a transformational leader for all my life. I've always pushed the, 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 the boundaries everywhere I've gone and into every business that I've run. But she takes it to another level. She, and she and I got on really, really well. Um, she, what's she doing? What's she doing now, Andy? She's working for a company. She's again. She's gone into one of the the the, the top companies in London because um, she's moved just recently again. So I don't know quite where she is now, but but certainly she she was she is visionary. And but when she came into Starlight, I would say she was ahead of her time. Yeah, and she pushed us all of us very hard. Well, talking about the times and being ahead of the times, the times we're in now are tough. Um, as we're recording this, we're in the middle of a pandemic. One of the scientists said this is the second quarter of the pandemic. Everyone's getting mm -hmm. excited and ahead of them. There's still a way to go yet. Yes. Even though it's good news that there's going to be some vaccinations. What's the impact of the pandemic been for you? Uh, well, as health and safety and sustainability director for the, for the, for the company, um, it's been monumental uh, stresses and strains from, a, from, if you like, February of this year. If you look at, uh, uh, the, we've got four and a half thousand people plus here in the UK across 50 odd sites, of which my job, along with the team that's around me, is to, uh, to, to ensure that we keep those 4,000 people, 4,000 odd people safe. And... As you know, the rules have changed dramatically from one day to another. The government, and certainly in, in March, they changed nearly every single day. And so what my role was was to making sure the guidelines that we were putting across all of our people were correct. They are in line with the government and to making sure, above all, if to keep our people safe. And I have to say our track record thus far, and I do say thus far, has been superb. And every outside agency that's come in to test us said, wow, you are exemplary. Well done. And, and how has the pandemic impacted the way that people lead now and in the future, in your opinion? Well, that's, a, that's an interesting one, because if you go to old school management and leadership, the, lots of managers certainly want to see their people in front of them at their desk, nine till five. Whereas COVID certainly is teaching 
certainly the what I call the the, the, the older style um, uh, leaders. You don't need to be in, have those people in front of you. They can work independently. They can work remotely, but you have to have different skills because I can see you and what you're doing now. You're writing down on a piece of paper and you're looking at, at the camera, etc. But I can't see what you're going to do every single day if you're working from home. But I still need you to deliver. And how am I going to do that? And certainly I introduced into my organization five years ago, WebEx. I said, I'm not traveling. I'm not traveling halfway around to Scotland and, and, and Leeds and, and Telford, etc. every single month to do a management meeting. We're going to do it by WebEx. And I halved the, 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 the travel time. And so I'm, I'm used to doing it, but the, the company and leaders have got to get used to setting goals, reviewing those goals remotely, and making sure that you are in touch with those people. Because I come back to the, 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 my success, and that is the making sure you understand people. I ask one question. I have a one-to-one -one with all my people every quarter, and I've got those notes going back for 10, 10 years by, for every quarter, the people that work for me. And I ask them one question at the end of their development, one-to-one. -one, and it's all about them, not about me. It's about them. And I ask them one question. How do you feel today? Not how you think. How do you feel today about great. working working for Schneider? And then over time, they, get, they actually, because you've got this trust and this environment that they, they're open with you, they say, I'm not good today. I'm a four out of 10. So then that, delete, that pushes me on to say, okay, why is it a four out of 10? What can I do to take away some of those aggravation, politics, et cetera, so that I can get you back to a 10? Because I need you to perform in front of your people 10 out of 10. That's great. That's a great question, you know. How do you feel today about working for us at a score out of 10? I love that one. And what about other top tips that you've got for leading in a crisis and in change, Andy? Oh, I think uh, the important one is to communicate simply. Uh, you must, it's got to, you've got to be able to speak other people's language. Understand, you, you, you get taught on the theory about understanding your audience. But you've got to, you know, we've got, you know, on the shop floor in our, in our factories, they've got to understand what is it that, what we're doing, why are we doing it, and where, what's your contribution to get us to where we need to be? And you've got to do it time, uh, communicate, communicate, communicate. And if you've got nothing still to say, you've still got to say something. Just say, I've got nothing new to tell you. Because in a crisis, everybody's looking at you to actually say, okay, am I am I doing the right thing? Am I am I am I doing what you're wanting me to do? Because they're as apprehensive, certainly through COVID, as I am. I'm 64 years of age. I'm in a vulnerable uh, a vulnerable category. Although I'm very healthy and I don't look 64, but at the end, at the end of the day, you know, I am a, I, I I'm as scared as everybody else. And so, therefore, what you have to do is to get those people entrusted in you behind you and making sure that you, you they are clear of what is expected uh, and um you remind me Andy I know you're living in Camberley and, and I was as you know an instructor at the military academy just around the corner from you 
I think you would have made a fabulous regimental sergeant major. You would have made <laughs> sure they all had all your, that discipline you had in the early days. And what we used to say in the military is uh, two up, one up and my part in their plan. So yeah. do you understand what two levels up needs from you and, and mm -hmm. what their strategy is, what one level up needs from you and what's your part in their plan? And as the situation changes and you described COVID-19 and how, how it changes so rapidly day to day, um, uh, is to think, okay, situation's changed. How does that affect two up? How does that affect one up and my, my part of their plan? And I, I think back to uh, 1983, 84, when I was with the Scots Guards based out in Cyprus and the second battalion who I was serving with as a platoon commander had been to the, they'd been to war. They'd been to the Falklands war and a number of my platoon had uh, taken injuries uh, on Mount Tumbledown. Uh, some of them knew people who had not come back, who had been killed, um, including the platoon sergeant who was uh, shot just as they crossed the start line. But the commanding officer said, you know, there we were, we were on public duties in London. Uh, and three weeks later, we were on the ship going to the South Atlantic, having trained in Wales. Uh, one minute in bare skins and red tunic, the next minute soggy and wet in, in soaking wet boots with new bits of kit and stuff on a ship where, you know, they even forgot the mortar base plates, the, the mortar platoon commander forgot the base plates that, that you can fire the mortars with and they're on the ship and they, they forgot them. Um, God knows uh, uh, how he managed to survive in his career. He still, he still went on to be the Academy adjutant at Santa's God knows how. Um, but from it. yeah, well, I hope he learned a lot from it. Um, but, but I think learning from lessons uh, in a crisis is Im important. What mistakes do you see people making? If it's not leaving the mortar base plates behind, what mistakes do you see happening? Oh, I, I think the, the, the biggest one is um, that the, the, the managers want them people to be close to them, in front of them, uh, and, and, and that's wrong uh, in today's environment. Um, and you still see it today that people say, I need you in the office at nine o'clock. And if you're not in at nine o'clock, why aren't you in at nine o'clock? And you still see people doing that today. And that's wrong. That's not progressive. That's not good management style. Uh, you're not giving them the, the freedom to do, to, to, to run their lives because there is a life outside of my company. Equally, there's a life that, and you've got to contribute. But at the end of the day, you've got, you've got to give people to be, have freedom. Uh, and, and if you do, then they will, they will do, they will go more than the extra mile. Yeah, that's a very good point. And there's, a, I think, in the pandemic and what follows on from this, there will be a different style of leadership and trust and accountability and delegation and empowerment. What, what do you think how how it will be different going forward? Because I don't think we're going to go back. We're oh, no, back I think going forward. I think there will be a new norm, uh, and the new norm, and um, we're seeing it already. You know, selling. You know, we're all selling, and I'm, uh, when you're working, whatever part of the company you're working, I'm selling Schneider uh, wherever I go. But the thing is, is, is that selling will be different. It won't be always face to face. You look at what the, how online has gone through the roof. And certainly around Christmas now, you know, you're not going to get a delivery now before Christmas because of it's just gone through the gone through the roof. But the way we do work, the way that we manage people, the way that the metrics that we used to have are going to change because we are going to have because we've learned a great. 
I'll give you just one example. We have a call center. And when, you know, there's over 100 people in that call center. Of which I never thought that in February of this year that 100, over 100 people within three weeks could be working at home. And with the technology, we are answering phone calls from our customer in three weeks. And we achieved that. And now, so why, so why do we need 100 people traveling to a central location? They don't. You don't. Yeah, yeah. So, so what do you think will be the future of the sort of the the office and home working? How do you think it will be? Just taking on that that theme. I, I think that certainly there will be a combination. Yes, there, we are social social animals. We do need to have uh, a contact with our colleagues uh, from time to time. We need to spar off each other. That's where good ideas and creativity comes from. You can do that to a certain extent over Zoom or WebEx or Skype or whatever. But it's, there's, you know, you, you know, if you get somebody, you know, in a pub or a restaurant at night, and then when you can start to chew the cud and, and just really push the boundaries to say, well, what if we did this? What if we did that? You need that part. But equally, there's going to be, certainly it's, people can work from home. So you're giving back time, if you like, to people to manage their life in a different way. Yeah, yeah. And, and an interesting fact came out that even though we are working from home, on average, people are working half an hour longer uh, every day than they were before. I know I am working longer because you, you have to work harder to get your clients, particularly in an area like coaching and leadership, where yes. um, it's a discretionary spend. And if, if, they're trying to stop the bleeding and the cash flow. They go, we're not going to do any leadership development. So, so some companies chop back on those kind of things. So it means that you have to work longer to win work and, and to look after your clients. Um, do you find that people are working longer, even though they're not commuting? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, and equally, there's a more, I think uh, a lot of people actually do actually um use the vehicles that we've got to, to actually converse with people or to pick up the phone and say, what do you think about this? Or even at seven o'clock at night, I've had this thought. Um, what do you think about this? And I do it. And, and I'm at, I used to have a rule. Don't contact my any of my people between eight o'clock in the morning and six o'clock in the evening. Now those boundaries are sort of gone, et cetera. But I don't mind if I can't get them at two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. I'll get them at some point and then and they don't worry about that, you know, because they might have gone to the dentist or they might have gone pick up the grandchildren or whatever. Yeah. That I don't, I, I'm not worried about that at all. As long as, because I'll give you just, you would have heard this before. Probably I have a mantra that all my people know plan, do check, act. Lots of companies are very, very good at planning and they're not too bad at doing but what they don't do is stay on course and they don't check the plan again and they don't alter and take action to actually put the thing right back on course again. They just throw it all away and start a new plan. Whereas I'm completely different for that. I said, like now, I'm setting out the, 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 the stall for 2021, on which on the 1st of January, my organizations will be ready. And they're all of the goals and targets and the strategies they've all had an input to in September, October, etc. Taking into consideration the corporate strategy, the, the zone strategy, etc. 
and we will be ready to go. Brilliant, brilliant. And in fact, you've reminded me that uh, I love that plan, do, check, act. And there was a uh, Colonel Boyd who was a, a pilot, and I think he was a US Navy pilot. And um, while fighting over Korea, he found that the Chinese and the Russian MiGs uh, were shooting down some of their jets. And um, so he designed this system where he found that um, you observe what's going on around you. You orientate yourself to, in this case, the other jet. Uh, so observe, orientate, decide, act, and then do it again. Observe. Well, you've shot at him. So what's happened now? Where is he? Is he above you, below you? Observe, orientate, decide, act. And they call it the OODA loop, O-O-D-A. All right. And, and, and it's, it's you have come up with the same kind of thing that the military have used um, before, which is very sensible. So yeah. congratulations, you, you've got your own, your own system. I also had a great brigadier who I worked for, Austin Thorpe. And I remember I wanted to do uh, an MBA, um, distance learning through the Open University while I was chief of staff of the army's largest brigade. Right. 15 Brigade in New York. And um, I said, look, I know it's a busy job, but I need to do this distance learning. So I'd be working from home in the evenings and, and at weekends and things, maybe uh, a summer school. I might need a bit of time off for that. He said, do it. He said, you're never going to get a good time. There's never a suitable time. You're never going to, tomorrow's not a slower day. He's always mm -hmm. saying tomorrow is not a slower day. This is, this is, as one scientist said recently in the pandemic, this is the slowest it will ever be today. <laughs> yeah. Slowest it will be. It's just going to carry on accelerating. So he said, tomorrow's not a slow day. So just go and do the course, take it. You'll never regret doing your MBA. And I haven't. But he said, work, and this was like, oh goodness, 20 years ago. He said, work is an activity. It's not a time or a place. So if you're doing your work, it's an activity. Do where need, and be judged on the outcome. And they talk about um, results only work environment, R-O-W-E. Be focused on the results. And if you get the results done, if you're smart enough to do it in half the time as someone else and it's done correctly, first time, as you said, right first time, brilliant. You know, yes, you don't but, want to eke it out. But there's one, I'd go take that just a little bit further, is that I've never lost any sleep over what targets I've been set and I've managed a 300 million pound business. I never lost any sleep of whatever targets or growth targets or profit targets, etc. What I've lost sleep about is whether I am doing enough of understanding the market, doing developing my people, making sure the processes are right, doing all of the things that need to have an impact on the result. Because if you do all of those things well, first time and right, then the results will take care of themselves. Spot on. Thank you, Andy. So last two questions, Andy. Um, what would you like your legacy to be? Uh, it's an easy one for me. Uh, I'm a people person. I would hope that my people have learned something from me and I've made a difference in their career. Yeah, that's a lovely thing. I'm, I'm certain you will have done. And what about a book recommendation? What, what uh, books have you enjoyed? Oh, I, again, it's about learning. As I said, I come from a disadvantaged background. And if you look, if you read any of lots of autobiographies, and I've read lots of them, um, and certainly you look at, certainly I'm a sports person, so I've read Alex Ferguson and certainly uh, Kenny Douglas, and, but I've done and Margaret Thatcher, Alan Sugar, etc. So any autobiography you can learn something from 
just a nugget that you can take with you and then transform it in and bring it into your into your language into your behavior etc and see what works because i know some of the people that have come from very deprived um backgrounds um have made it very very well it's very very successful yeah but keep your feet on the ground very true. And think about keeping your feet firmly on the ground. Um, it was lovely meeting Kenny Dalgleish at Liverpool in the director's box. Um, a mate of mine is Ian Pierce, and uh, he's been the chairman of the charity that we do for vulnerable girls. And uh, Ian took me for a match, which was awesome to watch Liverpool play. And um, Kenny was there, and he was just so down to earth, took the mickey out of me, cracking some jokes. Very lovely guy. Lovely guy. But did you, but did you understand him? I think I need to Scott. I think, oh yeah. I, I mean, I, I was I served with the Scots Guard, so you had to do a quick translation course. The um, reason why I ask is yeah, Bassa. <laughs> exactly that. The reason why I say that is because I've been a Liverpool supporter from the age of six. Oh, that's cool. And, and of which I, because I worked in the appliance servicing arena, um, Candy was our was Liverpool sponsor. And we bought lots and lots of candy. So I was a candy machines. And so I went to lots of Liverpool um, games. I had a meal with um, with three, with Graham Souness and uh, Kenny Douglas and Bob Paisley. That Absolutely must have been fantastic. very special. That must have been very, very special. The final memory I have before we wrap up is um, uh, Margaret Thatcher. And um, uh, I, I was, one of my roles, I was required to be in Buckingham Palace with the communications team. Uh, at one of the state banquets with all the dignitaries coming down the stairs and they would come to me and they would say uh, Prime Minister of uh, Botswana or yeah. they'd say um, President of Germany you know and, <laughs> and President of Germany Carlton President of Germany and out in the quadrangle were hundreds of cars I mean just like it was full of limos and so the right limo had to be at the front door at the right time for the Queen to shake their hand and she always pushes them gently away to know to let go of her hand because they'd often hang on to her hand trying to say goodbye. She'd shake their hand and they would leave and their car was there. Can you you imagine? It's one of your logistics nightmares. So it all worked like a dream. And this person came down to me and she said, a car for Lady Thatcher, please. I said, I think I recognize you, mom. But it was lovely that she actually thought I might not know who she was. And so she'd asking for her car. Anyway, hey, look, Andy, been great chatting to you. Congratulations on uh, a very successful career and as becoming a senior vice president at Schneider and one of the directors of a billion euro business, which is a huge achievement from your days as a young apprentice and also being in the in the uh, the children's home in those those early days from 6 to 16 very powerful story thank you i've really enjoyed it and i wish you every success thank you very much i've enjoyed it thanks very much so now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that i've interviewed what are you going to do next If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, 
Get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.